Hey everyone. Uh, for those of you certainly who have clicked on the link, if that's you, uh, welcome to my little message. Uh, we as a church community cannot meet uh, on the 4th of July 2021 and that's in a couple of days time. We've had this lockdown in Perth for the last couple of days and because of the ongoing restrictions um, and certainly in the venue that we meet, uh, the we would, would not have been able to accommodate everyone. So we made a decision to to postpone uh, this uh, this Sunday's gathering. So hence my uh, online uh, talk. We, as a church, we have been looking at the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, we've had this strong focus on spiritual gifts, uh, the spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 12 and writes about in 1 Corinthians 14. And as we've been reading and studying this and talking about these gifts, we, we, we keep coming back to this, this, um, this strong encouragement to, as Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There's, there's this, this exhortation to go after them, to almost relentlessly seek uh, the the spiritual gifts and so um, as a church community this is something that that we've been praying about and saying Lord we we want to see the the spiritual gifts in operation and we understand that it is the Holy Spirit who distributes uh, those gifts and um, uses our lives for the common good but uh, we don't want to be be the kind of people who say oh lord we'll just we'll just put them on the shelf and leave them over there we, we want to be the kind of people who say lord we know that there are those gifts that are available and we want to be used by your spirit holy spirit you come and use us so that we can be a blessing in other people's lives in a variety of different ways and so we've been looking at these these gifts but in this talk i want to come back to just some of the groundwork around um, what it means to be filled with with the Holy Spirit, as um, I think again, you know, we can we can we can sometimes get off course a little bit and 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 forget, and and perhaps uh, we have not really ever come to that place where we've truly surrendered and say, Lord, I just want to be filled to overflowing with with Your Spirit. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything in your life where. You've kind of told yourself, oh, I've, you know, I've been through this and oh, I've got a whole new understanding, you know, a whole new appreciation you know, of whatever it might be. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. you know, it's like you, you're a part of some event that causes you to have a fundamental shift in the way you see something or understand something. And normally when that happens, the result is a change in your, your understanding or your beliefs your values, your priorities, you know, maybe it just gives you a whole new appreciation. I, I certainly went through that recently. I, I left a, um, a corporate job back in 2003 uh, to go into ministry. And I'd spent a number of years working in the UK and in South Africa. And um, <clears throat> in 2003, I, I entered into ministry and I had a long stint, 15 years in ministry, but I, I, I came to this point where I, I think I just had a time of burnout in my life and I just, had, I just needed a break. And so I, I took on uh, an associate director role with a firm here in Perth in 2018 and I spent two years back in a corporate setting. But those two years gave me a fresh appreciation of the pressures so many people face in the workplace because of their Christian faith. There's so many Jesus followers who 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 have a faith and and, and a worldview and see things through through um, the lens of Scripture, 
And a lot of that collides with the ethics of the organizations or the companies they're working for, with the policy of those companies. And and certainly, um, you know, it just gave me an appreciation of how that collides, you know, how our faith can collide with the the worldview of the people that work alongside us, our, our colleagues. And so for me, it was just a really fresh insight. It was a good learning experience. But um, during those two years as well, it was just a, it was a fresh reminder of God's call on my life. But, you know, a focus on the importance of experience is something that anyone reading the Bible will discover. You're reading the, the Old Testament or the New Testament. We read hundreds of stories of people who experience God in dramatic, life-changing ways through the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons that we've been talking about spiritual gifts recently is to, is to really just... Um, reignite that desire to experience God. I think some of us have grown dry because we, we're not earnestly seeking an experience of the living God, an experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, it's not just knowing about God or believing things about God. You know, those things are really important. But if, if we come back to uh, um, Acts, Acts chapter 2, just the first four verses, it says when the day of Pentecost came, those disciples, when they were, you know, they were gathered in, together in one place, and the scripture tells us that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were all sitting. And, I mean, just, just think about this. They, they, they're sitting there and they see what seems to be tongues of fire that separate and come to rest on each of them. You know, And then it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. Uh, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them, so there's this this sound like a you know with a, of a blowing wind. These, these tongues of fire, you know, they they're able to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enables them. And and when you just when you read those couple of verses, you, you see the that the experience of the disciples has has kind of two aspects to it. The first is this 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 um this aspect of power where, where you see the power of the rushing wind, and the other is the purifying effect of fire. It's this fire that burns away every form of impurity. Um, I'm going to come back to that in a moment or two, but very often in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is associated with an experience of God. It, it's an experience. It might be an experience of power. It might be an experience of purifying. But it also might be an experience of love. You know, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, we read the Apostle Paul's uh, words where he, he writes, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit results, or should result, really, if, if, if we've truly surrendered to God, it should result in a life-transforming experience of God's love in our hearts. But my point here, and this is what I want us to all understand, and we've really got to get this, is that when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, when it comes to our Christian faith, there is something more to it than just something to believe. There is someone to receive, someone to experience. You know, I think we'd all agree that the church has got a rich history, you know, Christianity absolutely has has truth in its theological content through you know the contributions over the centuries but Christianity goes so far further than just having the creeds and the propositional content Christianity involves an encounter with the spirit of God 
a large part of the church still today will say, no, 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 don't, don't worry about that. That's not important. Experience is not important. You know, don't, don't focus on feelings. Just concern yourself with obedience and, and that's enough. Just be obedient to scripture and, and that's the way you live your life. And, and that's true, it's part, but it's just partially true. It's partially right. You don't, you don't have to wait for a feeling to obey God and to do what's right. That's, that's true. You don't wait for a feeling. You, you know, if, 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 if you're instructed to do something, you just do it. If somebody asks you a question, you don't have to wait for a feeling to decide whether to tell the truth or whether to lie. You know, we don't wait around for a feeling to do what is right or what is just or what is loving. And so that is true. But, but also, if you never feel God's presence in your life, if you never feel God's love, if you never feel the peace of God, then I don't think you're really living out New Testament Christianity. Because God wants to not only be believed in, God also wants to be experienced. God wants to be felt. The scripture often uses um, the, this, this kind of metaphor of, um, not a metaphor, it's just an example of, of the covenant relationship of a, of a loving human marriage, right? As a, as a way of explaining the covenant relationship that God wants with us by way of his Holy Spirit in us. Uh, you know, so um, it, I think it's a it's a great kind of what's you know a great comparison comparator to see to look at a a marriage and say okay well that's what a good loving marriage looks like and and God's saying well this is the kind of relationship I want with you this this covenant relationship I mean if if I told you that I never that I you know never experienced any feeling of love for my wife Debbie you know if I never had any affection for her. You'd probably look at me and say, well, Andrew, really, that's, that's terrible. You know, that's, that's tragic. You'd probably say, that, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. There's, but there's something wrong here. You need to go to counseling. You know, there's something not right, either, either inside of you or inside of this relationship. Um, but yet, in some parts of the, now I love my wife, just to let you know, I love her dearly, and she's so important to me. But I'm saying that because in some parts of the church, the experience of the Holy Spirit is is limited, you know, to a priest or a bishop laying hands on a person, you know, in their confirmation or their ordination. And as long as you have the right person laying hands on you, the right bishop or the right priest, then you can be assured you have the Holy Spirit. And then in other parts of the church, the, you know, the church has kind of tried to tame or domesticate the Holy Spirit. You kind of like box the Spirit of God in by, you know, they, they, they look at the, and they say, well, no, the Spirit is locked up in the Bible. If you want to experience the Spirit today, then study the Scripture. And, 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 and that part of the church is missing out because we cannot deny that there are times when we can be overwhelmed by the presence and the power of the Spirit. And very often that can be an emotional experience. I've certainly experienced it in my own life where there's been something from deep within me that has just kind of risen up and overwhelmed me. It's like a deep sense of joy, like no, like nothing else. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think there's parts of the church that are missing out. And, and then again, then you know, on the other side of the coin, there are other parts of the church who who have a passion for spiritual things, but then that's often coupled with a poor foundation of sound doctrine. And so, as a result, they're always looking for something new. You know, if they, I've experienced this in in the years that I've been in ministry. People will come to a church service, and then they, you know, they 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 feel like there's no anointing or no power or or visions or revelations or any any semblance of that. And then and then for them, that's like you know, the Holy Spirit's not here. And 
They're not too interested in doctrine or proper explanation or interpretation of scripture or biblical integrity. And so it's all about an outward visual manifestation, you know, whether that's real or whether it's not real, whether it's fake. But even in a church like ours at, at Renew, you know, where we know that the Holy Spirit is not confined simply to our church life or even that the, the, the scriptures, the Spirit is not just in, in, the, in the inspired scripture. Um, we sometimes will still say things, and even I'm guilty of this, we'll say, things, well, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks in a still, small, quiet voice, you know, and that's not wrong. But I, I've had to ask myself again, you know, but, but hang on, where is the mighty wind that we read about in Acts chapter 2? Where are the tongues of fire? Where are the revelations that we read about in Acts 2? In verse 17 and 18 of Acts 2, um, uh, we read in the last days, which that's where we are, we're in the last days. God has said that he will pour out his spirit on all people. The Spirit of God will be poured out on, uh, you know, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And so we read these words, you know, prophecy, visions, dreams, the pouring out of the Spirit. And the Bible promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. It speaks to us about filling with the Spirit. But I think... I think part of the problem that, that so many, many of us can't get our head around is that, is that a lot of the focus of the debate is about, you know, when it happens or, or how it happens. You know, if somebody's filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, what might that look like? But not enough talk and discussion about why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, every Christian who is within Christian orthodoxy believes that we receive the Holy Spirit at conversion. We believe that at the moment you come to a place of authentically, genuinely laying down your life, asking for forgiveness, where you come to a place of repentance and you accept Jesus into your life, you accept Christ into your life as the leader of your life. You know, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so we believe that at the moment you come to that place of conversion, you know, of surrendering your life, that you receive the Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, I don't know, you might be a nice person, you might be a loving person, you, you may be a moral person, you might be someone who's charitable and you work for social justice and things. But, but I'll, I'll say to you, if you, you're not really a Christian if you haven't received the Holy Spirit. And so you have to come to that place of saying, Lord, I, I totally surrender. I'm looking at my life and I, and I give my life to you. We've got to come to that place. Now, there are some who say that at the moment of accepting Christ, when, when you receive the Holy Spirit, They'd say that that's it, that's it. You've got it, you've got it all. <laughs> you, you, you're baptized, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's like you know, it's like God has put this deposit in you. You know, it's like you know, I don't know, giving you a billion dollars in your bank account, and and all you've got to do is draw it down. You just keep drawing on that account. You've got all that you need. And then, and then there are other Christians who will say, oh no, 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 hang on, you need a second blessing. You know, after after you receive the Holy Spirit at your conversion, you need a second blessing, a second filling with the Holy Spirit. The Bible is far less concerned with when you receive the Holy Spirit. It's far more concerned that you receive the power of the Spirit. Right? If, if you're somebody who says, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1987. You know, I, I'd say to you, that's fantastic. But listen, I'd also say to you, and I say this to a lot of people all the time, you've leaked. You've leaked. You know, since 1987, you have leaked. You need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is an, it is an ongoing infilling uh, with, with the Spirit. 
Again and again and again and again. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, there are two main aspects to the work of the Spirit in a person's life. And this is where I, I, I want to come back to these, these symbols that we see in Acts chapter 2. These two aspects uh, are symbolized by the fire and the wind that, that came at Pentecost. And that fire symbolizes the purifying work of the Holy Spirit. So this is, the, this is one of the things that it, what it looks like, what it means to be filled with the, with the Spirit. There's a purifying work that should be going on in our lives. And then the wind symbolizes the empowering work of the Spirit. So it's this purifying work, but also an empowering work in our life. And we, and we need both. Each aspect of the Spirit is emphasized in, in different ways, really by two great New Testament authors. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he speaks about the Holy Spirit's filling, he mainly focuses on the purifying work of the Spirit, the fire. But when you read Luke, Luke speaks about the filling, when he speaks about the filling with the Spirit, he mainly emphasizes the empowering work of the Spirit, the wind. And so, uh, well, yeah, Ephesians 5, verses 18 through to 21, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of, the, out of reverence for Christ. When you read this passage, there's, there's, there's one imperative, there's one command in this text. And, and that is to be filled with, this, with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's one imperative, one command. And then there are five participles. And participles are that, it's, uh, that part of sp- speech that ends in, in ing, ing, right? So the Apostle Paul says, that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and he describes five results of being filled with the Spirit, which is speaking to one another, singing, making music, giving thanks, submitting to one another. So the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then these five participles of speaking to one another, singing, making music, giving thanks, and submitting to one another. Paul's not saying, here are six things I want you to do. He's saying, Here's one thing that you need to do. One thing that you need to do. It's be filled. Literally, continuously be filled with the Spirit. And the overflow of being filled with the Spirit will result in these five things. Now, it's interesting that Paul contrasts being drunk uh, um, with wine. He contrasts that with being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, if somebody is, is, uh, is drunk, we, we, we would often say they're under the influence. And... and we know, you know, when, when you're under the influence of alcohol because, the, alcohol, because there's some really obvious signs. You know, if your speech could be slurred, you might stagger around it. You probably have difficulty walking in a straight line. Your, your self-control would be suppressed. You know, you might say or do things that you'd never ordinarily do, except that, you know, if you're under the influence of a powerful drug like alcohol, then, then you would do things that you wouldn't normally do. So Paul says, don't be under the influence of alcohol. He says, be under the influence of the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And how would you know? You see, just as you can tell if somebody is under the influence of alcohol, you can tell if somebody is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
And so if we look at those participles, if, if you're someone who very easily quotes scripture when you're in conversation, if you're happy to pray with and for the people around you, if you're someone who breaks out into song, you know, worship songs, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, I'd say you're filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, that would be an indication. When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to love to worship. And, and the worship we see here in, in this passage of Scripture in, um, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 is it, it's in two directions. It's speaking to one another and to the Lord. So if you're someone who finds worship boring, you know, so you come to church and you're like, oh, I'm really struggling to enter in, you know, or, or you come later and you're just in time to hear the message, you know. Um, and, and, and yes, I know music is important, but, but there should be something that wells up in our hearts. And if you, if you don't like to make music in your heart to the Lord, and if you don't like to worship, and if you never have any energy to praise God or, or to encourage others to worship, then, it, then, it's, then it's quite likely that you need to be filled with the Spirit, <laughs> you know, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You can tell that the Holy Spirit is filling a church or a group when people come together and they love to worship. Let me tell you something. Dead, sleepy worship is the fruit of dead, sleepy Christians. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, okay. Think on that. Here's another way to tell you if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you always giving thanks? Because, you know, a spiritual Christian is a grateful Christian. If you see someone who's always complaining about their situation in life, you know, it's always like, whoa, whoa is me. And I, I, I know in my own life I can be a little bit like that at, at times. You know, like, you know, people people are like, you know, like it's just, you know, it's just, the worst thing, they always feel like they've, they've had a raw deal. And, and they, they never feel grateful for even, even small blessings. If a person never expresses gratitude, then we can pretty much be guaranteed that that person is not filled with the Holy Spirit. And so even as I say this, you know, I have to, or, you know every day I say this often. We, gotta, we just say, Lord, come again. Fill me with your Spirit because I, have, I leak. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and overwhelm me. Fill me up. Um, use me, you know, I want to be open to those, those, those gifts. Yeah. If you, if you read in Acts, you see a, a Paul, the apostle Paul and his friend Silas, you know, they were locked up in, in jail on one occasion, trumped up charges, right? They'd been beaten. You know what they did? They began to sing. They began to sing to God. They began to praise God and worship God and give thanks. They began to give thanks. And the reason they were able to do that is because they were filled with the spirit. So those who are filled with the Spirit are going to be worshiping Christians. They're going to be grateful Christians. And you know something else? They're going to be relationship-building Christians. In Ephesians, we read that, read that uh, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Spirit-filled Christians are the opposite of me-first people. You know, They're the opposite of, you know, you've got to do this for me. You've got to serve me. You've got to meet my needs. You know, it's, it's like, uh, it's all about them. Spiritual Christians are always looking for ways to promote the interests of others. It's not about me and my opinions and about how I feel or about my world. No, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be looking at ways that you can be used of God to love and encourage and, and meet the interests of others, to serve them in their home, to help them in their marriages, to befriend them, to support them in their workplace, whatever it might be. It's like, how can I help you? How can I encourage you? 
You know, how can I meet your needs in, in, in the larger church community that I'm a part of or, or outside, you know, in, in the community, wherever you might find yourself? You see, it's, there's, there's this outpouring of the love of God. But as I said, there are two aspects to the filling with the Spirit. And the first is the purifying work of the Spirit. And the second is the empowering work of the, of the Holy Spirit. And it's this emphasis on empowering that Luke draws our attention to in, in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. In the Gospel of Luke, um, Luke reminds us that every aspect of Jesus' life was lived in dependence on and by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Right? In fact, Jesus was the one who, who would usher in the age of the Spirit. It was by the Holy Spirit that Jesus carried out his ministry. And, and Luke wrote this in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. He wrote, the Spirit, these are the words of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus says that the Spirit of God was given to him for four purposes, to preach, to deliver people, to heal, and to work justice. The Spirit of God was given to Jesus to preach powerfully. The Spirit of God was given to Jesus to deliver people from demonic oppression, from everything that oppresses, social structures, traditions, superstitions, fears, prejudices, emotional wounds. The Spirit of God was given to Jesus to heal people. And the Spirit of God was given to Jesus to work justice. The year of the Lord's favor, that's a reference to the Old Testament year uh, of Jubilee in which all debts would be canceled and the land would be given back to the poor. So we see in Jesus' ministry this anointed preaching, deliverance, healing, and activities of justice. Now, I ask you, as followers of Jesus, Jesus said, you know what, you're going to do what I do and do even greater things than I've done. We'll never do that without the infilling of the Spirit of God. I mean, how did Jesus do it? He did it through the filling with the Holy Spirit. So where does this leave you and I? Well, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, which means that at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit has entered you and you have become born again. The Holy Spirit has given you the gift of spiritual life. If you consider yourself to be a Christian, do you believe that you have as much of the Holy Spirit as you need? Let me put it a little differently. If you consider yourself a Christian, if, you re- if you've received God's Spirit into your life, do you believe that you have as much of the Holy Spirit as God wants you to have? Yeah, almost every Christian that I've ever met would answer no to those two questions. I, cert- I certainly would. I don't, I don't know that I have as much of the Holy Spirit as God wants me to have. So how can we have more of the Spirit? Well, the Bible says, and this is James chapter 4 and verse 2, the second part of verse 2. The Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. You don't ask God. Uh, Throughout Scripture, in fact, we're told that especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we've got to ask God for more. Jesus said, Luke recorded this, Luke 11 verse 13. Jesus said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so my, my strong exhortation as we continue in this series of life in the Spirit is will you ask God for more of the Holy Spirit? Will you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit to overflowing? 
Will you ask God to drench you, to overwhelm you, to take control of you, to, to purify you, to empower you, to fill you to overflowing with His Spirit? I, I, I so hope you will, because it's life-changing. It's life-changing. We're going to pick it up, hopefully, all together next, next week again. I just want to thank you for listening. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.